Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports. One, one pitch, fastball pulled and Got a fantasy question? Email fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Where fantasy becomes reality. Now, here's Adam, Scott, Heath, and Chris. What's up, everybody, and welcome to Fantasy Baseball Today on this Tuesday, April 14th. Frank here, joined by Chris and Scott. No acronym today. And you know what, Chris? I'm not in the best mood. Because we lost in the Sweet 16 of the Fantasy Baseball Podcast Bracket. The podcast we lost to recruited all of Canada, and apparently Kansas too, according to Jeff Zimmerman. We tried our best, Chris. Unfortunately, we got slayed in the Sweet 16. Uh, Yeah, the entire fantasy baseball community basically rallied around our opponents. They required more votes for their win over us than basically any other poll got total. Uh, And and I just want to say to the rest of the fantasy baseball community, the North remembers. <laughs> <laughs> We're not salty at all, no. It won't, it won't be forgotten soon. Yeah. I, I knew, look, the, 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 the little guys are going, the little guys are going to unite at some point to take down the big guys because who wants to see an entity like CBS win this bracket? Nobody, except for us, probably. I thought it would happen next round. Uh, but I underestimated the the Canadian push there. So yeah, we we were leading for most of the day, and then things just got out of hand late, and so we were slayed, and that's fine. Yes, that's we, fine. We, we, we just need to get better, guys. That's it. Never underestimate Canada. Never under yes, that is the biggest takeaway here. Never underestimate Canada. Uh, Scott, how's everything going? I hope you're doing better than I am. Oh yeah, I'm fine. I'm good. <laughs> All good. Scott's just like, yeah, I'm good. No big deal. Back to work. Back to the grind. Fantasy baseball today. Today on the show, we're going to deep dive Michael Conforto. This came from one of our Apple podcast reviews at Pete, at Big Pete underscore 88 on our Apple podcast reviews. Uh, True story. I had to look up if Pete Alonzo was born in 1988 or not because for a second I thought he was listening to the show and I thought he wanted us to deep dive Michael Conforto. But it is not Pete Alonzo. He was born in 1994. Uh, Current play... We're, we're, I, I just I need to jump in and share an amazing Pete Alonzo birthday fact that me. I just learned while researching a piece. I'm writing a piece, uh, 12 players who would benefit from the introduction of the, Nas- the DH in the National League. And I discovered Dominic Smith is six months younger than Pete Alonzo. That absolutely blew my mind. I could not believe that. I don't know if you guys remember Dominic Smith. He actually had a decent season as a part-time player last year was a somewhat big prospect. He's been around for three years, and he's six months younger than Pete Alonso. Apparently, I'm the only one whose mind was blown about this. Nobody else... You love stuff like that. You love stuff like that. I mean, as as somebody who's steeped in prospect research all the time, it it doesn't surprise me, but I can understand how it might be surprising to the general population. Wow. Wow. (laughs) Scott just freaking big-timed me. Scott Scott did, man. Scott's fired up today. I like this. He came out firing today, uh, throwing some haymakers here. Uh, Yeah, Pete Alonso a little bit older than I think people realize. Kind of reminds me a little bit of Aaron Judge, who kind of broke into the big leagues as an older prospect. Aaron Judge is 27 years old. I mean, 
he's, I think, you know, if you told most people that, he's older than Alex Bregman. I don't know that most people would realize that about Aaron Judge. But, uh, yeah, it's a good point that you bring up about Pete Alonzo and Dom Smith. Speaking of the Mets, again, we will uh, deep dive Michael Conforto. Uh, and today on the show, we'd like to do this every Tuesday where we either do a draft, we come up with uh, an all-decade team. Today, we're going to give out our Hall of Fame ballots for current players who are still playing, who are active in Major League Baseball today. So we're going to do that on the show, and then we'll have your listener questions later on via email, fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. But I wanted to deep dive Michael Conforto. Make sure to keep sending in your players you want us to deep dive uh, via Apple Podcast Review. Leave us a five-star rating and review and drop in a player you want us to deep dive. Uh, I have an endless amount of players, so believe me, if we haven't got to your player yet, we will eventually. Michael Conforto suffered an oblique stream early in spring training, uh, but with the season being delayed, looks like he's going to be good to go when, if the season ever gets kicked off here. Uh, last season, hit 257, 33 home runs, 90 runs scored, 92 RBI, 7 steals, 3.2 fantasy points per game in head-to-head points leagues. That was tied for 25th among outfielders last season with Whit Merrifield, and Conforto was outfielder 20 overall in Roto Leagues. He underperformed his stat cast numbers. He his 262 expected batting average, his 504 expected slug were both higher than his actual numbers and he he's consistently struggled against left-handed pitching. Outside of 2018, he posted uh, an 803 against OP, uh, OPS against left-handed pitching in 2018, but last season was in the low 700s, consistently been in the low 700s. Um, And you look at the second half splits, hard contact went up about 6%, led to him hitting 271 with an 885 OPS in that second half. I don't know about you guys, but I still feel like we have that monster season coming for Conforto where he can put it all together, hit 275, 280, 900 OPS. He walks a lot, good eye at the plate, solid on base percentage. You know, potentially 30 to 35 home runs, handful of steals. I still feel like that type of season is in the cards for Michael Conforto. Uh, Scott, what do you think about that possibility for Conforto eventually breaking out? We saw it a couple of years ago before he suffered that shoulder injury. It was like that first half of that season where he we really thought that he was kind of coming into his own. But what do you think about that possibility of Conforto ever reaching that ceiling that I think that he has? I was going to take a very different stance here with Conforto. I I don't feel like I have a lot to say about Conforto because I think he's basically at a point now where what you see is what you get. And what you get uh, is is kind of boring. I mean, he's a pretty good power hitter, pretty good on base guy, not great skills uh, in in terms of batting average, not like a great hit tool. Um, And... I mean, he's a solid player. He's going to be started in every league he's drafted in. But I don't see a lot of room to improve at this point. He's already overcome the shoulder surgery. He's put together a couple seasons that were virtually identical. Uh, There was a difference of five home runs. But uh, the underlying stats were very similar. And I think this is just who he is. The most interesting thing I have to say about Michael Conforto is he's the guy I keep comparing uh, I, I keep comparing Mark Canna to where if you draft Canna, there's a good chance you're going to get Michael Conforto numbers, but it's a hundred picks later. And yeah, I, I think I might even give Canna a chance for a higher ceiling than Conforto at this point, because obviously he, he looked better than Conforto for the time he was a starter last year. So 
Conforto is a guy I don't think I've drafted anywhere. I'm usually more excited about the outfielders that go, come after him. And uh, I don't see him being a big difference maker in fantasy this year. Or I'm, I'm not holding out hope for him to be a big difference maker ever. Scott, I'm usually all for the older players who are undervalued in fantasy. So I get why you like Mark Hanna, And I like Mark Hanna myself. But he's 31 years old. Conforto's 27. Um, correct me if I'm wrong. I don't think Mark Hanna really had any prospect pedigree. I don't think he really had you know, big expectations. At no. least Conforto, you kind of have that upside play because the prospect pedigree was there with him. Sure, but the 20, 27 isn't young. No, it's not. And he has five years in the majors four of them uh, I think I think a couple of them were injury shortened but four of them more or less full seasons and like I said the last two years he really showed no growth between 2018 and 2019 I, I think he's done growing I think this is just who he is and and I think like he's a good player and he I don't think he's being drafted at his ceiling like 115th overall I could see him being a top 60 player I could see him having you know, a season where he hits 275 or 280 and with 35 homers, which wouldn't be that far off from what he did last year um, and provides a, a decent return on the investment. I just, unless the batting average skills take a step forward and he really can become someone who can hit like 280, 285, let's say, I just have a hard time reaching for him in this environment because guys who hit 255, 260 with 30 home runs are just about the easiest thing to find in the world. Like he's going ahead of Max Kepler, who probably has a very similar profile. He's going ahead of Fran Mill Reyes, a guy who we all really like, uh, who has a very similar profile. And so higher what, power ceiling, presumably. Comes, and, and, and I'm not sure there's that big of a difference between him and Kyle Schwarber, Michael Conforter. And so what it comes down to for me is just in this offensive environment, he's not quite a jag but he's pretty close. There, there are probably two dozen players who could do what Michael Conforto is likely to do. Actually, there's probably more than who could do that, but there are probably two dozen players who I expect to do something similar, and a decent number of them are going after him in drafts. So that's, like Scott, it's not that I dislike Michael Conforto, it's just that I see no reason to make him a priority. In yeah, my basic. <laughs> Conforto, yeah, basic. I I hold out a little bit more optimism. Maybe I'm just chasing that 2017 season, and that was the season I was referring to. He had a 939 OPS that season and wound up missing uh, a ton of action late in that year. Um, only played 109 games. Last year was, I believe it, no, 2018 was the year he was returning from the shoulder surgery yeah. and kind of came back a little bit early, and I think it kind of gave him a pass for the 243 batting average in 2018 returning from the shoulder. Last year, another season further removed. I, I just still think he can get to that 275, 280 with 30 to 35 home runs and, and really good counting stats in the middle of that lineup, but you're right. If he hits 250 to 260, he's like a lot of other players in baseball right now. I guess I just uh, have a little bit more optimism in terms of that batting average, that he can come close to that 2017 season again. Uh, Chris, why don't you rank for me Conforto, Michael Brantley, and Andrew Benintendi in a points league? In a points league, I think it's Brantley, Conforto, Benintendi. Uh, and... 
Brantley's the only one of those three who I actually make any kind of effort to draft. And even then, it's probably more in a roto league than a points league. Um, I just like Conforto. I think Benintendi, there are similar players who can be found a lot later than him. I'm not sure why you would pay for Andrew Benintendi when Adam Eaton exists. Um, and so that's... Whoa, I thought you were the Benintendi guy here. Uh, no, no. Okay. I. All right. Good to know. Can you guys hear my cat? I can see him. I can see him. Okay. Can't hear him though. David Bowie making a, a, a very, you know, his daily appearance, her daily appearance here on the show. Uh, Scott, let's see how well you know your rankings. Conforto, Brantley, and Andrew Benintendi in a points league. I, I am the same way Chris does. Brantley, Conforto, okay. Benintendi, and, and they're not particularly close. I, I think Brantley especially, but Conforto also stand out more in a points league. Like I can see myself drafting more of Conforto in a points league than categories league where you expect them to bring down your batting average a little bit. I would rank him the same as well. You know, I think Conforto might have a higher ceiling overall than someone like Brantley, but Brantley still solid as they come 3.4 fantasy points per game last season. Uh, Conforto was at 3.2. And of course, Benintendi had the down season last year, only averaged 2.8 fantasy points per game. So I would rank them the same order, but I do think Conforto has higher upside than someone like Michael Brantley. I did want to give an update on Trey Mancini, and this came out you know, earlier today, revealing that he is months, not weeks away from a potential return. And I saw this tweet from Inside Injuries on Twitter earlier. Uh, Trey Mancini had a malignant t- tumor removed from his colon back in March. While he is expected to make a full recovery from cancer, it will be months before he is cleared to play baseball again. It remains possible he misses all of the 2020 season. So I know that we've been receiving some Questions in the email, uh, some tweet questions as well regarding Trey Mancini. And obviously, this is bigger than baseball. It's bigger than fantasy baseball. We're all rooting for Trey Mancini to uh, get healthy and get back to you know playing baseball and get back to the player that he was. But uh, that's just an update on where Mancini is at. So if you had some questions regarding you know what to do with him from a fantasy perspective, although you know his life is a much bigger matter, uh, that there's an update for uh, Trey Mancini. Uh, Before we get into the Hall of Fame ballot, I do just want to remind people that we are giving away three out-of-the-park baseball codes on in our Facebook group right now, we have a contest going on. So if you do want to be eligible for that contest, uh, join our Facebook group. And I have a running thread where basically you post your biggest bust for the 2020 fantasy baseball season. Uh, give me a reason why, and I will announce the winners this Friday. We'll give away three codes for out of the park baseball. And I, I don't believe we spoke about this on the podcast. I think we've done a little bit off the podcast, but I have revealed to Scott that I am, uh, I'm quite addicted to out-of-the-park baseball. So uh, if you do need some baseball in your life, this is a good way to make it happen, uh, out-of-the-park baseball. So we have three codes. Check out our Facebook page, Fantasy Baseball Today, and we'll make it happen. All right, Hall of Fame ballot, a very controversial topic in the baseball world, the baseball writers of America vote every year for who they believe should be in the Hall of Fame. And and today we're doing that exercise for players who are currently still active in Major League Baseball. Before we do get into that, I just have to get your guys' stance on on the topic because I don't I have I haven't heard it from you guys before. Uh, and maybe our listeners haven't heard it either. Where do you guys lie on Pete Rose and the steroid era guys being in the Hall of Fame? 
Uh, P. Rose, I have no strong opinion one way or the other on him getting in people. Uh, like if like if we want to just take it based on what he did on the field, he's a Hall of Famer. I think he's probably overrated as a player historically, but there's no question he deserves to be in the Hall of Fame based on what he did as a player. But I'm not going to fight anyone over it if they think he shouldn't be because uh, the the betting obviously, and then he also just kind of seems like a bit of a crappy guy. Uh, to put it nicely, there there are some unsavory accusations about Pete Rose. Let's put it that way. So I, I don't feel strongly one way or the other. On the steroid guys, again, I don't take a, it's not a black and white thing for me. It's not, if you failed a steroid test, if you were accused of using steroids, if we have proof that you use steroids, you aren't allowed in the Hall of Fame. For me, it, you have to take it on a case-by-case basis. If you look at like Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens, if you take when it seems, in Barry Bonds' case, we pretty much know he started taking steroids after the 1998 season uh, based on the Game of Shadows book. If you just take what he did before 1998, he's a no doubt about it first ballot Hall of Famer. He was the only member of the 400 home run, 400 stolen base club. Uh, Roger Clemens, we don't know when he started taking steroids. It could have been, you know, anecdotally, it seems like, uh, you know, when he got to Toronto seems like a pretty good uh, pretty good bet given, you know, the the way his career turned around. But even if you just take what he did in Boston, he's again a no doubt about it, Hall of Famer. And so I think uh, those guys, I'm I'm in. Sammy Sosa, probably out, just because I, I, I think you can probably say more definitively that Sammy Sosa was not a Hall of Fame caliber player without the steroids. So I just think you take it on a case-by-case basis. It's not, it's not necessarily a moral issue to me. Scott? Uh, if you have, if you're an era-defining star, or you have an overwhelming statistical case. I want you in my baseball museum. So I want, I, I would have liked McGuire to be in. I want Sammy Sosa in. I'm, I'm pretty much willing to let all of those guys in. Manny Ramirez, yes, sir. Uh, Pete Rose, I could go either way with Pete Rose. If, if letting Pete Rose in makes it easier for those steroids guys to get in, sure. I'm, I'll take that. I, I feel like what Pete Rose did in the game did was deserving of the ban. That ban doesn't have to be applied to the Hall of Fame. Uh, they just decided to to kind of take MLB's cue and ban him from the Hall of Fame as well. But that it, those don't have to be tied together. So I don't know. I, I I guess I I guess I would rather see Pete Rosen. But uh, what he did undermines competition, and competition is the only thing that makes sports a viable form of entertainment so that's why i think there's a difference there than versus the steroid guys who were genuinely trying to win they were just trying a little too hard to win (laughs) uh you know betting potentially betting against your team is uh is another man when you're managing that team is another manner matter manner matter my biggest defense of the steroid era players and I agree that they should be in the Hall of Fame and you maybe take it a case by case basis it doesn't need to be every person who came out of the steroid era that has you know monstrous stats so I I agree with both of you guys there but my biggest offense of them is that I mean there were greenies and amphetamines in baseball way before there were steroids and you know by definition those are performance enhancing drugs as well so I mean those Dating back to like the '60s, maybe even before that. I mean, they, those before have been. That, it was it was 
soldiers returning from World War II, I believe, was when it was believed to have been introduced into the game. So there you go. Even further than that, you know, the 50s uh, in terms of greenies being a part of baseball. So I look, they undoubtedly affected people's ability to play the game. And I think that you take that into account. And I don't think it's all that different. While they are different, they are performance-enhancing drugs. So uh, I would agree that, you know, Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens, I think those guys should be in. And, you know, eventually... We're going to get some real angry emails for this one. Oh, no. <laughs> eventually, Alex Rodriguez, I think he should be in as well. Um, but, Scott, get us started with... Let's go around here. Uh, give us your first five players. We have 15 players that are on our ballot. And if they are agreed upon by at least two of us. If they get 66% well, of the vote. Okay, so I got Adam Azer's ballot. So we're going to go three. 75% oh, okay. of the vote. You oh, need. that is a higher threshold. But that is the actual threshold. For that is good. Yeah. I like that. All right. So we have uh, we have the ballot of all four of us. Adam on staycation. And Scott, why don't you kick us off with five players, your top five players in your ballot. I have a feeling that, you know, at least the top five, we're going to agree a decent amount on them. Yeah, so just a word about my process at first here. The way I broke it down is for this exercise, I didn't want to leave anybody out of the discussion who I thought if they retired today, they're in. And I came up with 11 players that for me, if they retire today, they're in. Um, and also I'll just start from the top of the list here. And uh, these will probably be pretty obvious and we can go through it real quick here, but um, five of my 11 who, if they retire today, they're in Albert Pujols, Mike Trout, Miguel Cabrera, Clayton Kershaw, and Justin Verlander. No disagreements. That was my top five. Uh, I think those are pretty much obvious. Like Mike Trout is trending to be maybe the best player in baseball history. Albert Pujols and Miguel Cabrera really both are two of the Pick whatever number, 20 best hitters in the history of the game. Uh, Albert Pujols is probably one of the five or ten best hitters in the history of the game. There's no question. And then Verlander and Kershaw. I, I, in my opinion, there were seven, no doubt about it, should be unanimous guys. And those are five of the seven. Yeah. Clean sweep across the board. Uh, I agree. Mike Trout, right now, his uh, 72.8 war is seventh all-time among center fielders. <laughs> Mind you, I mean, the guy is not even 30 years old yet. Uh, he has four MVP awards. His OPS is currently 1,000 on the nose. So that's... Uh, he's, he's second among active players in, in career war. Among yeah. active players as a 27-year-old, he is second. It's insane. It's just... Um, <laughs> it's absolutely insane. There, there's but, no... But, you can't overstate how good Mike Trout is. But I don't want to lose sight because I think, you know, we've seen so many years now of Albert Pujols just being this kind of fringy, does he really belong in a major league lineup kind of guy that, and he's number one in active war by a lot. I mean, Trout's going to pass him in all likelihood, but uh, you were you were kind of comparing Pujols to Miguel Cabrera. The difference in war there, at least baseball reference war, 100.8 for Pujols versus 69.5 for Cabrera. There's probably a couple players with less than a with more than a 69.5 WAR who aren't in the Hall of Fame, right? There's there's a handful of guys who probably not any non-steroid guys, I would guess. Yeah, for Pujols, okay. uh, that WAR that you brought up, Scott, 100.8, second all-time among first basemen, behind only 
Lou Gehrig, 656 home runs, three MVP awards. So Pujols in there for sure. I have Miguel Cabrera, Mike Trout, Verlander, just broke 3,000 strikeouts last year. He's currently 18th all-time. Uh, realistically, I was just kind of mapping this out of my head. He's going to finish at least top 12. It depends how many more years he plays. But, I mean, he has a good shot at finishing top 10 all-time in strikeouts. Again, that is Justin Verlander. Uh, and then Clayton Kershaw. Guys, did you know that his 157 ERA plus is first all-time among starting pitchers just ahead of Pedro Martinez? Yeah, it's basically among pitchers with 1,000 innings, I think it's Mariano Rivera, Clayton Kershaw, Pedro Martinez. That like he's going to fall down that list. Pedro Martinez, probably the greatest pitcher in major league history, but I don't know if it's maybe like a little bit of recency bias that he's lost it a little bit. Maybe it's the postseason stuff, but in terms of limiting runs relative to the era that he played in, Clayton Kershaw's peak is comparable to the peaks of Greg Maddox, Randy Johnson, Sandy Koufax, like Whoever you want to compare him to, the first eight years or so of Clayton Kershaw's career are right there with anyone's. A little bit of an aside here. I did a Legends draft last night, which we're playing out from only the 2000s decades, so 2000 through 2009. I had the 14th pick. It was a 14-team league, and we're going to sim it out on OOTP. And I took Pedro Martinez with the fourth overall pick. His 2000 season, 1.74 ERA. 0.74 whip. So that was uh, his 99 or 2000 season. It's either one of those is the best season of all time. I don't care about Bob Gibson. MLB.com did a poll recently and Bob Gibson beat Pedro Martinez in the final for the greatest pitching season of all time. His 1968 Pedro's season was better. Yeah. Cause you got to do it in the context at- of the era, right? Like Pedro Martinez yeah. put up sub two ERAs. It was, it was in, both years of sub two ERA when the league ERA was like five around five. Yeah. The, the late nineties, the ERA for the league was around five. He did it in Fenway park in the AL East at the peak of the steroid era. No pitcher has ever been better than Pedro Martinez at his best. I know that's not what we're talking about, but still. <laughs> <laughs> I just had to throw that in there. Uh, I didn't know if taking a picture that early Made sense in this draft, but I don't think anything makes sense in that draft. Uh, but I did take Pedro Martinez, the first time I was ever uh, able to draft him for fantasy baseball purposes. So we got a top five. Did Adam have all those five as well, yeah. Chris? Okay, because I feel like this is where Adam would come in and be like, whoa, 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 hold on. I there, I don't have one of those guys on my list, uh, but it's good to know that he actually does. Chris, why don't That's you kick a good us... Adam impression. <laughs> Chris, why don't you uh, kick us off with your next five? Let's, let's see if we can uh, get a little controversial here. Yeah, so I think the next, Max Scherzer and Zach Reinke are, are the next two on my should-be-unanimous uh, list. And then things get a little iffier. I think maybe only one of these guys might be unanimous. I've got Joey Votto, Juan Soto, and Ronald Acuna to round out my next five. So okay. Max Scherzer, Zach Reinke, Joey Votto, Juan Soto, and Ronald Acuna. And I struggled with Votto probably the most because it's, it's the yep. balance of should he be a Hall of Famer versus will he be a Hall of Famer. If it's a should he be a Hall of Famer, in my opinion, there's no question about it. He is one of the best hitters in the history of Major League Baseball. Do not at me. Again, don't care if you don't think walking is hitting. That's a silly argument. But Tony Gwynn. better at not making outs than like all but 15 players in the history of baseball. And most of those guys don't have color photos on their baseball reference pages. 
Uh, yeah, so I, I agree with you on Joey Votto. 14 players in Major League Baseball history have a 300, 400, 500 triple slash, and 13 of those are in the Hall of Fame. The, the only one who's not is Manny Ramirez, and I guess that goes yeah. back to the steroid conversation. Uh, if you think he's going to get in, if he should get in, um, that's a, a topic for another day. But I had Joey Votto on my list here as well. The only one that I that you have that I don't, who didn't even make my top 15, and, and again, it's tough because it's it's projecting out a long way, uh, is Ronald yeah. Acuna. I don't have Ronald Acuna on my list of, of 15 active players that will make the Hall of Fame. Juan Soto is one that I do. Again, I mentioned him on the uh, projecting the... 2020s team that we did. I mean, the guy has had at least a 923 OPS in his first two seasons, uh, and those came under the age of 20 years old. So it's just projecting what he's going to do. I mean, he's only going to get better. I, I truly believe that. Yeah, so. I it's 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 you're you're being. I, I think you're looking a little too much, a little too far ahead. Uh, like totally. I, you could say after two years, he's on a Hall of Fame path, but those get derailed all the time. I Acuna. mean, Tim Lincecum comes to mind. To Evan Longoria comes to mind. To like, be clear, to, I am much less sure about Ronald Acuna than I am Juan Soto. Like Juan Soto... There are any number of reasons why he could just fall sure, off. But I think he is outside of... And I didn't do this in order. I have other guys who I think are more likely to make it who I just didn't put in order, but... This is just the order that I wrote them down in. But Juan Soto for me, you look at the guys since the league integrated uh, in 1947 who have at least 1,000 plate appearances before they turn 21. It's like eight guys plus Soto and Harper. Of those eight, four are either in the Hall of Fame or soon will be. And Juan Soto has been by far the best of them. So just getting the amount of playing time that he's gotten at the age he is makes you extremely likely to be a Hall of Fame. Then you add in that basically the guys who were who have been as good or better hitters than him in baseball history at his age, it's Mel Ott and Tony Caligliero. Tony Caligliero, uh, Mel Ott is a Hall of Famer. Tony Caligliero, uh, if you look at his, his baseball reference page, probably could have been. His numbers don't pop off the page, but a lot of that's because he played in the dead ball era of the 60s and 70s uh, when offense wasn't as great. And his career was derailed by injuries. Now, that could happen to Juan Soto, but I'm betting on the talent and the age turning into a Hall of Fame caliber player. It's it's just such a crowded exercise to begin with, yep. and you're asking a lot to go very right for a long time. Yep, I am. Uh, you're loud. It's just, uh, I don't know, It's it's too big of a leap for me, especially considering who I'd have to leave off in order to make it. That's totally fair, but it's my list, Scott. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Scott, who did Chris have on his list of five that he just gave out? Chris, can you give us those again? Uh, Max Scherzer, Zach Greinke, Joey Votto, uh, Ronald Acuna, and Juan Soto. How many of those do you have on your list, Scott? So the other three were not only among the 15 I want to vote for here, but the 11 that I think retire today, and they're in. Zach Greinke, Max Scherzer, and Joey Votto. I think of those three, the one who might have the toughest time getting in is Zach Granke, because I think some people will look at his career and say, ah, he was just a compiler. Um, But, you know, he did win one Cy Young Award. He very well could have won another. Some people would argue he should have. 
that year with the Dodgers where he led the majors in ERA. I think twice overall he's led the majors in ERA. Uh, he he tends to get he tends to get overlooked among pitching greats, but the accumulation of his career certainly puts him in Hall of Fame territory. I mean, he's fourth among active pitchers in uh, among active players in career war according to baseball reference. Uh, actually ahead of Miguel Cabrera and uh he does have high enough peaks there with those Cy Young contending seasons that I think he absolutely should be in the Hall of Fame and I think he will be. I I'm I'm less I'm less pessimistic about Joey Votto than Chris is. I know Chris likes getting in Joey Votto arguments with people online, but I think the <laughs> Hall of Fame electorate has particularly in, in more recent years as some of the turnovers happened there, they've become a little more advanced in their thinking than general Twitter user. So, I, I mean, you just look at the amount of black ink on Joey Votto's baseball reference page. Of course, he has an MVP award. Of course, he's come close to winning others. Uh, six-time All-Star. Even by traditional, more traditional measures. Oh, no, the black ink's mostly on-base percentage, but it's ridiculous, the on-base percentage. So, yeah, I, th- I think he's going to be in when all's said and done. He's just really short on counting stats. He would probably need another three or four decent seasons to really get there because you're looking at but, less than 1,900 hits right now. Yeah, but all the all the walks have robbed him of hits. I agree. Of I agree. But <laughs> and, and you look at the war. I think most people look at war first and foremost. You don't get into the Hall of Fame by walking. If there's one thing, like even even now, not making outs remains an incredibly undervalued skill. To put this in perspective, uh, we mentioned Miguel Cabrera was 12th among first basemen all-time in war, 69.5. Uh, Joey Votto is at 62. So not completely dissimilar. And the, uh, the average of 21 Hall of Famers uh, who are in the Hall of, uh, who are from the first base position, their average war is 66.9. So Joey Votto, not far off from there. Chris, do you think that he maintains the 300, 400, 500 triple slash? Because the way that he's played the past couple of seasons, if he plays for two or three more, or maybe even more than that, if he plays into his 40s, there's probably a good chance that he's going to fall be below that threshold. Not that he needs that, but it's pretty cool on the resume to see the 300, 400, 500. So that's the thing, is the, the likelihood that he... Uh, gets to some of the counting stats that would make him more likely to get in, like maybe 2,400 hits, 2,500 hits, uh, 350 home runs. The more likely it is that he gets to those, the less likely it is that he stays in the 300, 400, 500 club. Uh, I think the, you know, the 307 batting average that's closest to that sort of arbitrary line. So I think it's least likely that he gets there. Um, but, you know, we'll see. You know, he, he definitely is in decline right now. And, and that makes the case harder because if he doesn't have the, the big rate stats or the counting stats, it's going to be a lot harder. So that's why I'm a little pessimistic that he does get in, uh, even though if it was up to me, you know, when I'm made the, uh, the czar of the Baseball Hall of Fame and I just get to decide who gets in, uh, he will get in. No question. It's, it's worth noting because I do think it makes a difference. The media loves Joey Votto. They love him. He is very well liked. They do. Uh, I'll point out for Granky, my defensive, and I agree Granky should get in, whether you agree he's an accumulator or not. I mean, 
you're talking about two of the best single ERA seasons that we've seen, uh, you know, since the turn of the millennium come from Zach Greinke, a 2.16 in 2009 with the Royals. And then in 2015, again, with as many home runs being hit as there are now, and there's been more home runs hit the past couple of seasons than there were in 2015, but a 1.66 ERA, that's really, really special there. So uh, that's part of my argument for uh, Zach Greinke. I do think that he should be in the Hall of Fame. Scott, did you reveal your your 6 through 10 amidst kind of uh, battling it out with uh, with Chris there? No, no, I haven't revealed any others. So I think we've talked about seven of the 11 that would be in if they retired today for me. The other four, and I'm surprised he hasn't been mentioned yet, though I know why, uh, Robinson Cano. Mm-hmm. I am putting Buster Posey in. I am putting Yadier Molina in. And actually, I think I think those are the last three. I think we had already talked about eight. So um, Robinson Cano, Buster Posey, Yadier Molina. And then to give you two more, Mookie Betts and Jose Altuve. Betts and Altuve, I'm not saying they're in if they retire today, but they are well on their way, especially Betts, who's already over 40 war as a 26-year-old. That's incredible. So, yeah. That's is there for me as well. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but, so... Uh, go ahead, Chris. Of the guys you just mentioned, Betts and Posey are the only ones who made my list, actually. Uh, Cano, another one where if it was my vote, I would put him in. I think it's less likely he gets in than... Like, he, he deserves to be in, in my opinion. He is it, one it's of just the, a steroid issue, right? Yeah, I mean, if, 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 that, if he hadn't failed, failed that walked, test yeah. a couple of years ago, he'd, he'd automatic. Yeah, yeah he'd, but, get the, he'd get the Adrian Beltre retirement tour. He'd be, yeah, there, there's no question he'd be a first ballot Hall of Famer. Yeah, I think we're in agreement there. I, I did have Robinson Cano on my list. Um, 68 war, the average war for a Hall of Fame second baseman is 69 and a half. And he's a career 302 hitter, 324 home runs, is second all-time at the position behind only Jeff Kent, uh, did win the World Series with the Yankees back in 2009. So it comes down to the steroid um, the steroid issue. I, I do have Robinson Cano on my list. I have Buster Posey on my list. The, the one that I don't have there is Yadier Molina, and that might be an omission he probably is a Hall of Famer. Chris, do you have Yadier Molina on your list? No, it, it, it ultimately comes down to how much you value the sort of defensive stats that we're only just now getting better at, uh, at measuring. Stuff like pitch framing, the, the defensive metrics in general for, for catchers, but also a big part of his case comes down to the sort of intangible stuff, the you know, the, the manager on the field, the pitch, uh, the, you know, the, the handling of the pitching staff, all that stuff that is just really hard. I I think on, as a hitter, he probably falls short. Uh, he, even at catcher, I think he falls a little bit short. Uh, although the peak seasons were very good. Um, so I think you have to put a lot of weight on the kind of intangibles that, that we can't measure. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't put weight on those things. Um, But, the Hall of Fame's been around for a very long time, and these kind of numbers that you're referring to have not been around for very long. So obviously, people were making these decisions without those assists. Yeah, for most of the Hall of Fame's existence, and like 
catcher is always going to be a difficult position to measure because I don't feel like we're, I don't feel like what a catcher, the, the way, the many ways a catcher can excel are fully accounted for in war. So the war always seems suppressed for catchers. But even having said that, Molina has, uh, it's, it's a little better on fan graphs than baseball reference. So I'm going to cite the fan graphs number 54 career war, which is higher than, than even Posey, who we're all saying is in. Um, he's a nine time all-star. He's a nine time gold glove winner. I understand those aren't the most definitive metrics, but it certainly says a lot about how the way he was perceived when he was playing. And my, my criteria, I'll, I'll mention it again, era defining players and, or, you know, excess, especially good statistical cases. Uh, Molina, I think is among the former just because of the amount of hardware he's gotten. Sure. So, yeah, if, I think I think he retires today. He's in. If mine went to twenty, he probably gets in. I, I've kind of softened my stance on him a little bit. I think he's probably a player who's been a little bit overrated for his career. I think he gets a lot of credit for the Cardinals' success when they've had really, really good players throughout his career, and it, it's sort of weird how. A lot of the Cardinals' success throughout really the last 20 years, they've been remarkably successful as a, as a franchise. So little of that, uh, the credit for that has gotten shared. You know, you look at a guy like Jim Edmonds, who basically was on the ballot for one year and then was off, even though he, you know, had eight gold gloves and 400 home runs and was an amazing player. Scott Rowland, very much a, a borderline Hall of Famer. Um, and then, you know, obviously Albert Pools, but they also had great pitching. And so it's it's an interesting case. I think Molina would be fringy for me, um, but I don't have a problem with him being, with you voting for him. Yeah, and the pitching might actually lend itself to the intangibles of Yadier Molina, right? I mean, the ability to call a game and handle a pitching staff. I mean, so much of, you know, obviously the pitchers are talented that he's... I str- like, that's what I struggle with. with. Like, yeah. Adam Wainwright was really good. Did right, Adam right, Wainwright right. really need Yadier Molina to be really good? Like, I, I just don't know how to balance that. That's, that's the thing. Like, it's not like Lance Lynn left St. Louis and was just hopeless. He had the best season of his career after he left St. So it's just, it's really hard for me to balance these things. I'm, again, not saying that he shouldn't be in. Uh, he's just more borderline for me. So you guys have named 12 of the 15 players that are on my list so far. So I'll just reveal the final three that I have here. And I'm sure this will cause some debate. Everyone argues whether or not relievers and closers should be in the hall of fame, but I do have Craig Kimbrell on my list of 15. Uh, and then rounding it out, I have Alex Bregman and Cody Bellinger. So that comes back to projecting, but Cody Bellinger has 111 home runs hit and he's 24 years old. So, I mean, if you just want to talk about projection, it's it has to be a long career, and he has to stay healthy. But based on that pace, entering his prime, it seems like Cody Bellinger would be able to come close to 500 home runs, amass 500. Again, it's a lot of projection. Um, Alex Bregman has been over a seven-war player each of his past two seasons. I don't know if voters will take much of the cheating scandal for the Houston Astros into account when looking into potential Hall of Famers. Scott had Jose Altuve on his list. Um, and, and with Craig Kimbrell, you just look at the, the save, the uh, save accumulation. And 326 career saves, let's say 
he saves 100 more in his career. Uh, you're talking about top five in saves all time with, you know, as of now, he has a very, he has a low twos ERA. He's going to rank up there in terms of strikeouts for relievers. So uh, that's just like a whole different conversation is like, should relievers and closers be in the Hall of Fame? But since they are being inducted into the Hall of Fame, I think Craig Kimbrell being looked at as the face of the closer position for this decade, the past two decades, really, uh, is the reason why I would have him in the Hall of Fame. So that rounds out my top 15. Uh, the other ones that I had on there, Mookie Betts, I agreed with, Buster Posey. Uh, but yeah, Alex Bregman and Cody Bellinger are two of the the younger players that I'm just kind of projecting out that are on my list. Yeah, so I mean, if, if, I'm, if I'm going to take the stance I did with, um, with Acuna and Soto, where they're just too far out for me to say with any great certainty right now, then it would have to tr- apply to Bellinger too, though to a slightly lesser extent. But like, just to do the comparison here between him and, and Mookie Betts, just to give you a sense of what I'm talking about, uh, how much more they have to accumulate still. Cody Bellinger, who's well ahead of Acuna and Soto in this regard, he has 17.3 career war. Mookie Betts, 41.8. I mean, more, Mookie Betts is like 20 away. <laughs> He's two-thirds of the way from being automatic. He's two-thirds of the way toward being automatic himself. Uh, so that's, that's how I distinguish those. I think in the case of Craig Kimbrell, he's, he's not somebody I had much difficulty leaving out. However, if you're telling me I have to include a reliever, he would be the obvious one to include. And I might go so far as to say, inning for inning, he's the best reliever ever. It's just, you know, that's what I'm going to say. Um, it's just a, it's just like as difficult as catchers are as difficult as it is to vote catchers into the hall of fame, to assess catchers hall of fame candidacy. It's, it's much more so for reliever because they're never going to have the kind of war that really, uh, enters them into the discussion. So it's just kind of a, it's really just an era defining quality that, uh, that makes them eligible in my mind and Craig Kimbrell was considered the best for a long time was it long enough especially if you're fearful after the last couple years that he's in steep decline now it's hard to say he has it's, three or four good years like he's already had I think I think he has a pretty easy hall of fame case it's really hard because we're we're just at the beginning stages of defining what a hall of fame caliber closer is you look at the the first few hall of fame closers uh, to make it were guys like Goose Gossage and and Dennis Eckersley and guys who really didn't look like modern day closers. So among the the quote unquote modern day closers who are in, it's basically what Lee Smith, Mariano Rivera, Trevor and, Hoffman, uh, Trevor Hoffman. Yep. Like in terms on a per inning basis, there's no question Craig Kimbrell was a better pitcher than Trevor Hoffman and Lee Smith, but he doesn't have the longevity that those guys do. So what are we going to be valuing for? I don't think you can really compare anyone to Mariano Rivera. The, the combination of dominance and longevity is just, it's, it's unmatched. But I, I struggle with it because like Billy Wagner is actually a very comparable pitcher to Craig Kimball, and he hasn't really gotten close. So I, I, I do struggle. I do think closers should be in the Hall of Fame. I think the, the Hall of Fame should reflect the way the game was played. And it would be stupid to leave out very valuable players like Craig Kimbrell just because they don't start. I think that would be dumb. But I don't know what the what the criteria is ultimately going to end up being for, for the Hall of Fame for closers, and, and that's what makes it hard for me. 
he, he's another guy didn't make my top 15. No problem with him actually getting it. I, I, I would, you know, given an unlimited number of votes, I think he would get mine. Chris, who's left on your list of 15 that we haven't mentioned yet? I've got three who didn't get mentioned, and it's it's sort of surprising. Christian Yelich, um, who sort of late peak, we'll see how long he can sustain it, but if he keeps this kind of peak up for you know another two or three years where he's in the conversation for best player in baseball, uh, I think he's going to be a pretty easy one because he did get a pretty early start. His skill set should age relatively well. Um, Jacob deGrom is an interesting one. I'm kind of... I'm a little surprised nobody else mentioned him. You know, I'm doing a, a post for CBSSports.com that'll be on the actual MLB site. And so I'm uh, polling kind of the rest of the MLB staff, the editors, the writers. I'm not sure if anybody else has mentioned DeGrom, which is interesting. You got, uh, again, uh, so far a very short peak and he's older, so we don't know how much he's going to add to it. But two Cy Young Awards, uh, a 2019 season that, or a 2018 season that is in that Zach Granke conversation among the best we've seen in a long time, a 2020 season that wasn't that far off. Um, you know, he's very similar to Corey Kluber, who's another guy I considered. Um, but I, I, there's, I have another starting pitcher on my list that Chris we haven't Sale? mentioned yet. Yeah, Chris Sale. Chris best Sale is, is to among my 15. Highest strikeout rate of all time. The, uh, well, I mean, comparing him to DeGrom. 45.4 career war for Sale versus 33.3 for DeGrom. I mean, the problem with DeGrom is he just peaked so late yeah. that I'm not sure he's going to have enough time to accumulate unless he's unless he maintains greatness into an advanced yeah. age, which pitchers sometimes do for Lander and Scherzer. Certainly come to mind. Scherzer's a guy you could say peaks late, and obviously he's managed to uh, pull it off. But he also has, what, three or four Cy Young awards? So... Uh, yeah. Well, I guess DeGrom's up to two now, right? The thing with DeGrom, um, I do think he'll age pretty well. Um, and look, I mean, Chris Sale, the, you could flip a coin for me with those two. I, I would expect we'll see more good seasons from Jacob DeGrom uh, than Chris Sale, who was sh showing signs of decline, showing signs of breaking down, and then is going to miss a full season uh, towards the end of his peak in what might be, you know, we may never see peak Chris Sale again. So. The book well, on his four years of it. Sure, that's possible. But the book on there's a better chance the book on Chris Sale's career is closer to being written than Jacob Degrom. And then uh, I'm actually surprised I'm the only one who went with Francisco Lindor uh, among the four of us. He he'll only get one vote. But um, you talk about a player with youth who's already been really really great uh, at a premium position where you tend to get a little bit of extra credit for being a great shortstop. Um, you know, defense Hall of Fame voters don't really, even like the old-timey stodgy guys who complain about the, the game not being played the right way, don't really seem to credit defense as much as they probably should unless you play shortstop, as it turns out. And Francisco Lindor is an incredibly good defensive shortstop who's also a great hitter. So I think, um, you know, we could see another five or six years of Francisco Lindor is one of the 10 best players in baseball, and that would be enough to get him in. Uh, the shortstop who's just ahead of Lindor in terms of war is Elvis Andrus. So take that, Scott. No, I'm just kidding. Oh, he's, he's, there's a lot less of his career left <laughs> no, than I know. Lindor's. I didn't, I, didn't give much, I didn't give much serious thought to Lindor just because he's still a little, has a little too much gaining to do for my liking, but... Um, but I, I can I can certainly hear that argument 
There's one left on my list that hasn't been discussed. And he's on Adam's list as well. Nolan Arenado. He's such a tough one because Rockies players historically have not gotten enough credit in Hall of Fame voting. I mean, Larry Walker just barely got in in his last year. Todd Helton's been basically an afterthought. Um, yeah. But here he is, 28 years old, three times led the league in home runs, twice led the majors in RBI, a five-time All-Star, three-time top five MVP finisher, a seven-time gold glove winner, and already almost at 40 career war. I mean, seems yeah. like he should cruise, right? He might be the Rockies player who accidentally gets rated properly because <laughs> he's actually like, he's probably another guy who probably is a little overrated as a hitter because so much of his value comes from course field. And, you know, the 40 homers are less impressive when you take into account the fact that he's been a relatively low on base guy. And, you know, a lot of it comes from course field, but he's so good defensively that, uh, yeah, he might actually accidentally end up properly rated, but great defensive third basemen have not fared as well as they probably should in Hall of Fame voting uh, as well. Like, he's, I don't know if he's better than Scott Rowland was at his peak. It's pretty close. And Scott Rowland, like I said earlier, is a little iffy on the, in the minds of Hall of Fame voters. Yeah, I don't think, I, I want to say Scott Rowland doesn't have much black ink. And by black ink, I mean yeah. he led his league in something. Scott Rowland doesn't have any black ink. Nolan Arenado, already still fairly early in his career, has uh, well eliminating games because that's some pretty easy black ink. He has six. Uh, he's six times he has gotten he's led his league in something. So that's that's part of it too. The peak just looks a lot better. Sure. For Arenado, and and he may still have a lot of peak left. Yeah, and I think, you know, you brought up the analogy of writing the book on a career, Chris, and I think for Arenado, uh, it's still kind of wide open because if he gets traded, I mean, that could completely change the trajectory of his career and the way that his numbers kind of play out. He'll still always be a great defensive third baseman, there's no doubt about that, but in terms of affecting his offensive output, you know, if he were to land somewhere outside of course Field, I think undoubtedly... He would still be a great player, but would he put up the numbers that he has now? I mean, that's the age-old argument for basically every player ever who's tried to make the Hall of Fame as a player from the Colorado Rockies. So uh, we'll have to see what happens there. But, you know, there have been whispers about uh, him potentially being moved. So we'll see what happens with Arenado. Was there anyone? Yes, Scott? Have we gotten everybody's 15 yet? Uh, Not Adams. Yeah. Oh, not Adams. I wanted to find out. And we, if, and we haven't we haven't really been keeping track of who I'm, actually I'm makes track. it in. We've, have got, we? we've got eleven guys who have made who are in the Hall of Fame for the fantasy baseball today. Would you like to hear Adams' remaining players who were not mentioned so well, far? I, I was interrupting originally because I wondered. We kind of glossed over it. Jose Altuve was on my list, and and it doesn't sound like he was on either of yours. Like, do you what are, What are the objections? Are you just worried about the way voters are going to treat his, the, the Astro scandal? Is that mainly it? A little bit. I think he's someone who's probably going to have to get to 3,000 hits. And uh, it's going to be really hard for him to get there. I looked it up earlier today, and I think he would still need... He, he started at 21. He was a full-time player at 22. He's probably one of the players most well-built in this era to rack up hits. And he probably needs, I think it's something like nine more seasons of 160 hits to get to 3,000. It, it's, it's a shockingly high number 
If he wants to, I, I think he can. Uh, he's he's led. He's got. He has two hundred. He has four two hundred hit seasons, which I mean, two hundred hit seasons, especially today, are very rare. And he has four of them. He's led the majors and hits three times. He's already won three batting titles. Already won an MVP. Already a six-time All Star. Uh, won yep. a couple of stolen base titles. Uh, yeah, I think thirty-six point seven career WAR pre-age thirty. And I, I do think he's going to age well. So he seems like a pretty easy call to me, unless unless there's just continued animosity toward the Astros that lasts, you know, 15 years from now to the point that he's being voted on. Yeah, I, I, another guy. If I had 20, he makes it. Yeah. I worry, okay. I mean, for the, the reasons I worry about Altuve are actually the reasons I worry about him for fantasy purposes as well. And I do worry about the injuries in you know, this second half of his career, he's already dealt with knee and hamstring injuries. He's had surgery on the knee. It's affected his ability to run. Now, he's probably someone who's always going to be able to have a solid bat, but does that affect his ability to accumulate stats uh, if he misses time in the in the second half of his career? Uh, to this point, he's been, it looks like he's on the Hall of Fame track, but in terms of, I just worry about the health. And that's, again, that's something, you know, that I'm projecting out. It's the same as, you know, projecting out a, 21-year-old Juan Soto. It's kind of trying to predict something that we have no idea what's going to happen or not, but uh, that is something that I do worry about for the second-half career is the health of Jose Altuve. Uh, Chris, do we have any egregious players? We have to have at least one from Adam. Uh, there has to be like a Charlie Blackman yeah. right-in oh, yeah. vote or something. There, there's some, there's some re- re- weird ones. Uh, <laughs> the, the ones we haven't mentioned so far, he's got, I think, 10 of the 11 who, who made our total lists. Uh, he doesn't have Mookie Betts. Uh, that's the one. Uh, he has Madison Bumgarner, who I could see. Like I, I could right. see the the postseason success. He's still younger than you think. Like if he has another four or five good seasons, I could absolutely see Madison Bumgarner getting there. Uh, Nelson Cruz, I, I don't think there's any no. way. Uh, Felix Hernandez, I actually think is a sneaky good pick. Um, the high isn't quite as high as some of the other guys. The the peak wasn't quite as long. But if I had a, a vote, I would put Felix Hernandez in. He is. To me, one of those era-defining pitchers. He kind of spans the distance, uh, the gap between Pedro Martinez and Clayton Kershaw. You know, there were some other guys, Roy Halladay, obviously, in that discussion, but uh, Felix was really good for a while. Um, and that's it. He's also got Craig Kimbrell. Uh, All right, let's go, Adam. So, would so, you guys like to hear the eleven who made the Hall of Fame for us? Uh, can I comment on Felix Hernandez and Madison Bumgarner first, or are we run out of time? You go. Well, Frank's the host. I, I, <laughs> I hit us, Scott. So, so Felix Hernandez. The problem is, I just don't see him accumulating any more WAR. Like I think he's basically done, and <laughs> it's it's sad the way his career abruptly ended like that. It's it's another example of why I'm reluctant to to uh, project too far out. I feel like 60 war is basically more or less the line for me. You're a Hall of Famer or you're not. More or less. Some people above 60, I've said no to. Some people below 60, I've said yes to. But more or less the line is 60. And Felix Hernandez right now is at 50.3. Pretty low. Mm -hmm. Madison Bumgarner, this is going to surprise a lot of people, 32.2. I'm calling him a bust this year. I think there's a Good chance he's pretty close to being not a high-end contributor anymore. Pretty close to not adding much war to that total. 
and that is super far off. It, it's it's going to be another Jack Morris case. Yeah, for, and, and for Madison Bumgarner, where the postseason Bum- exploits just put him over the edge. In Bumgarner's case, uh, he's also hurt by some advanced statistics that are taking into account the great park he pitches in. His three thirteen ERA uh, looks a lot better than the one twenty ERA plus. So, you know that that's one where I think. Uh, it depends on the composition of the the electorate at that time, but three World Series rings, uh, several defining postseason moments. You know, arguably the greatest postseason pitcher of all time. Whatever. Uh, I think there's a better chance he gets in than uh, probably than Felix, which actually makes me a little sad. Felix was so good. Yeah, I would say just based off stats alone, I would want to see Felix Hernandez in there over someone like Bumgarner, but you do bring up the career-defining moments. I mean, there are moments that define baseball, not just, you know, Giants history, but all of baseball. So I get that, but I feel like Bumgarner's part of, like, the Hall of really, really, really good with the defining moments, but I don't know that he's a Hall of Famer, at least not for me. Uh, Scott, no. Chris, what are the top, uh, what are the 11 players that we have making it into the Hall of Fame based on active players? All right. Albert Pujols, Mike Trout, Miguel Cabrera, Robinson Cano, Clayton Kershaw, Justin Verlander, Max Scherzer, Zach Greinke, Joey Votto, Buster Posey, and Mookie Betts. The only ones who were not unanimous were Joey Votto, who uh, Adam did not have, Mookie Betts, who Adam also did not have, Robinson Cano, who I did not have, I believe. Those are the only non-unanimous guys. So Buster Posey, unanimous, which is a little bit surprising. It is. I'm pretty happy with that list. That's a, yeah. that's a damn good list. I thought it was going to be a lot worse. I, I, I miss it. Did you say Juan Soto? No, right? No, no. you and I were the only ones to vote for Juan Soto. I'm very interested. So there, there will be a post on CBSSports.com uh, to go along with this podcast that I'm going to do with uh, you know, Dane Perry and RJ Anderson and Heath Cummings did, a, did one. Uh, so you know, I think we're going to have about 10 ballots and I'm going to put that together uh, this afternoon and that should hopefully be up on CBSSports.com later on today. So keep an eye on that. I'm interested to see how the results change uh, when we add the rest of the team. Alrighty. I'm intrigued by that as well. Let's see what happens. Keep an eye out for that on cbssports.com. Apologies did not get to your emails today. It's because I did not try my best. I I promise that I will try my best uh, for the rest (laughs) of the week. And we will also have... I can tell you were really mailing it in this show. (laughs) (laughs) Well, We'll have a uh, we'll have a mailbag show. Speaking of mailing it in, we'll have a mailbag show later on in the week as well. So we'll try and get to all of your questions. Uh, keep them coming in. Fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Keep those deep dive players coming as well via Apple Podcast Review. For Scott and Chris, I am Frank. Thank you for listening to Fantasy Baseball today. We'll see you all again tomorrow.